Welcome to our new podcast, In the Hunt, powered by GameForge. We're kicking off season three of In the Hunt with a sit-down conversation we had with John Hobbins, PGA coach, and the Metropolitan uh, PGF in New York. He sat down with Mark and I, uh, hosted us, asked tons of questions to learn more about GameForge and how you can reach your next level. So sit back and enjoy season three, part one of three of In the Hunt. Uh, this morning, I'm, I'm happy to, to be on here with, with Mark and Brian. Uh, I, uh, I met Mark probably about 14, 15 years ago with the Aimpoint. Mark was the founder of Aimpoint. Uh, and to my knowledge, he is the, the only person in the golf industry who has ever won an Emmy, which I think is like way cool. All right. And Brian uh, is a, a senior level four instructor with Aimpoint. He is a college coach in a previous life. Uh, Brian uh, lives in Charlottesville with his family, and he does a lot of short game and putting. And then he does a lot of seminars uh, with college coaches around the country. And what Brian and Mark did here about five years ago, uh, they took Mark's ability to write software and create programs, and they created what they call GameForge. And GameForge is a system by which players can uh, use the GameForge website, and we'll get into that in a few minutes here with Mark, um, but they can, they can input all their scores. And, um, and Mark and Brian will explain to us how they do that. And uh, I've been looking at the website and uh, I have a subscription. And what they've done to make it easier is you can input your scores within you know, a couple of minutes. They, they set up a, a basically a punch list for every hole, whether you hit the fairway, whether you hit the green, how far the putt is and so forth. And so then what they do is they take this data and now they have you know, probably over a million shots in their database. They work with everybody from juniors to tour players, both the LPGA, uh, my friend Joe Howitt, who's very friendly with Mark and, and Brian, works with a number of tour players, among them Stacey Lewis, who's the Solheim Cup captain. And so Joe uses, you know, uh, Game Forge with them. Uh, there's a number of tour players that Mark and Brian work with. And um, what I'd like to do now is invite Mark and Brian in here. And if you could, uh, gentlemen, tell us, uh, how did you develop Game Forge? This was like five years ago that I understand that you put this together. What was the idea behind it? What was the concept? Well, I can tell you what my concept was, and it all it all came together when I gave a lesson uh, to a very high ranked junior player who um, said, "Well, I said, well, how are you putting?" She said, "Bad," and I said, "Okay, why?" She said, "Well, I hit 14 greens and shot 74, and my full swing coach says I need to putt better." And my answer was, "Maybe." Maybe not, but I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't see your data. I don't track. Uh, I, I hadn't seen any stats from her. And I realized I didn't have the answer. I didn't know whether it was a putting problem or a full swing problem or a proximity problem. I had no information. And the full swing coach, of course, said, well, you know, you're hitting 14 greens. You must be hitting it well enough. Um, so it took some time to dig through her stats. And the, and the reality was she was hitting 14 greens, but her, you know, she was hitting everything to 35 feet. And so she was two putting everything, throwing it, throw in a one putt and couple up and down. She doesn't make and boom, she's shooting 74 on 14 greens. So it actually wasn't a putting problem necessarily. It was a proximity problem, but I had no way to understand that as a putting coach without having more information about the player's whole game. And so I realized I can't really understand how to develop a player well enough without understanding their whole game and understanding what they're doing when they're not with me. 
what do they do on course? What do they do in practice? Things like that. And so that was kind of the, the genesis for me of when Brian and I started doing this. Yeah. And Brian, and, uh, Brian, what was your involvement? Uh, I was uh, leaving my past life. Uh, I was after 17 years, I was hanging up college coaching. So, uh, you know, being a college coach, we had tons of different data systems we used. They're all really cool in what they do. But the problem was, is I had my players putting in 15, 20 minutes worth of data. And basically I would go look for one or two pieces. So they were putting in tons of data. I was taking snippets of information because most of the information I was getting back just wasn't usable. Like, how am I going to get my player better? So kind of as Mark and I were sitting around drinking a beer, eating a pizza, we said, hey, what can we do to to make these this stat work better for, for coaches? You know, what can we do to help players get better faster? And we were not impressed with a lot of the statistical programs. Hence, Forest GameForge was born, and we've been running with it now for about six years. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting about GameForge was that um, and Brian and you and I had this conversation the other night and, you know, once again, talking to you, a light bulb came on that most of us who are instructing golf are, are developing skill yes. and not necessarily developing performance. I think that's and, the, uh, yeah, I would say as an industry, we've, we've not done the best job of taking skill into performance on the course. Um, you know, performance is about what do I do? Like, how do I do not how great my golf swing is now does a great golf swing help. Of course, does a great motion help. Of course, but there's a, there's an understanding that you have to be able to perform. You have to have a certain amount of offense. So inside of game forge, we break down golf, really simple offense, defense, offense is making birdie defense is kind of preventing bogey. And then we call noise is just crazy. Eagles, doubles, things like that. So you've got to kind of understand that you've got to be able to build an offense and you got to be able to have a good defense if you want to be able to perform. So kind of understanding what those components are, give you the ability, you know, to perform. And, and the beauty is, it's, you know, the swing doesn't solve it. The best putting motion on earth doesn't solve putting. Like you've got to hit certain benchmarks, certain standards to reach certain score goals. And before I did Game Forge, honestly, I didn't know what those standards were. Um, so like, you know, so just the understanding now that I have a performance of what needs to hit to reach certain standards and scoring or different levels, uh, I'm a much better coach than I was five years ago, six years ago when I was, you know, coaching teams that were fighting for national championships every week, every year. And that's because you have the statistical tracking that gives you the data that you need to coach properly. Exactly. We can take a player from shooting in the hundreds Say, hey, you want to start shooting in the mid-90s? This is what it looks like. You want to move into the 80s? This is where we've got to improve. Here's what's important. And then take that all the way down to the touring professional, too. If you want to be number one in the world, you've got to average two, two and a half under par. How are we going to do that? And again, it's, you know, the higher handicaps, it's much easier to make big gains and move quickly. As we start getting, you know, mid to low 70s, it's it's a scalpel moving small pieces here or there to get them to reach their goals. But yeah, if you if you don't have certain standards, you know, you're not going to move. And that's what I've really learned. Biggest thing I've learned is there's not many pathways to get to 200 to be best in the world. You, you can't be the best putter on earth and do that and not be a good at this. Like to be these guys and gals on the professional tours, that that margin to be that good is very, very thin. 
and you don't have a lot of wiggle room. So you got to be good across the board. And, and again, that's why, you know, you watch TV, you kind of laugh at the commentary because they're like, he's a terrible, no, he's not a terrible putter. Like you go look at his number. He's a really good putter. He's just a little bit less good than the best putter on earth. Right. So, so that, that concept is, I think is kind of what I've learned is be careful what you listen to. Yeah. All right, so, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, people who are listening in this morning, as well as myself, you know, we, we teach good players, right? We, we teach, you know, prospective college players or college players, you know, competitive juniors, uh, uh, country club members who are, you know, your best country club members are, are probably low handicap, you know, scratch one, two, three, and then all the way up to, to your 9,500 shooter, right? So you have every category covered. And that's what you do in Game Forge, right? So you you know that if I'm a 95 to 100 shooter, what do I have to do better, Mark? If uh, I want to be the be the 90 shooter, right? So so that's kind of what we what we started off with this um, with our benchmarking, just understanding of, at first the competitive golfers because most people that I teach are competitive golfers, and I think historically Brian has too. And so the question in the beginning was just okay, if you want to be a competitive golfer at college level, top 10 in the country, tour average, tour winner, just what do you have to do? Um, and like Brian said, there's not a whole lot of different pathways as you get better and better. Like you have to, your ball striking and proximities and putting and scrambling all have to be at a certain level. And then we, then we rolled that back to people shooting the eighties and nineties, the hundreds, um, and understand what that progression looks like. Um, I didn't understand it at all before I did this. And, and it, when you look back, it's not, it's not totally unintuitive, but it's also not the way a lot of people teach. Um, so what we found was, you know, in the beginning, basically people are just trying to get double out of the system, you know, trying to get the ball in the air and trying to get to the green faster. It's just, it's just really a game of, I need to get to the green and fewer shots. Um, everybody shooting 90 plus is averaging about the same number of putts. You know, they, you know, you should certainly help develop their putting, but that's not what this that's not what's going to move the needle the fastest. What's going to move the needle the fastest is getting rid of penalties, getting them on the green faster, just straight up. Then there comes a point, and I'll show a graph in a second. And then there comes a point where the doubles are kind of out of the system and you have to start reducing bogeys, right? And that's more about proximity, scrambling, shorter putting. And then when you get to a high level of golf, you know, mid low 70s or lower, now you've got to start generating birdies. Birdies don't really show up until you're breaking 80, shooting in the 70s, where they really start to kick in. Um, and so depending on the player who's in front of you, you have to have a, you know, you have to understand what are they doing? Because the other thing is sometimes somebody shooting 90 is hitting enough greens. Sometimes they're not even close to hitting enough greens and you, and you have to, you know, I know as a coach, you're not out there watching your players play golf very often, right? Especially, especially the club members. You don't really know what they're doing on the golf course. You don't really know what their scoring is. Um, you know, even with tour players, you're rarely but if I track. If I track with a with a performance system, now I do, don't I? Yes, yes. Unless you're tracking something, um, something at all, you really don't know. You know, um, you just don't. Like they can tell you whatever. You know, when you ask somebody what do they shoot, they say, "Well, my low score is seventy four. Okay, well, okay, that's your low score. What's your what's your average score? You know, well, how many greens you hit? I mean, I've had very high level competitive juniors. I say, how many greens you hit? They're like, I don't know. I don't really know. It's like, how do you not know that if you're a competitive junior golfer trying to go to play D1 college? Like, it's just mind blowing to me. Right. Um, so, so, so what you work on changes as their scoring level changes. 
And, you know, if somebody's shooting 90s, it's really about getting the green and not making double. You got to figure out, you got to know where those doubles are coming from. Is it penalties or is it what we call compounding errors? You know, you hit multiple bad shots, miss the green, and then duff your chip, and then eventually two putt and you make double or triple. Um, you kind of have to have a good feeling on that and not just sit out there and, you know, watch them hit on the tee box. Yeah, what I think is really interesting about the system is that I know when I talk to my players about their rounds, right? Though, they give me their perception of what they need to do better, right? Yeah. And, and typically everybody needs, and I hear this all the time, I need to drive the ball better, which is which may or may not be true, right? Right. Uh, I've got, and it's funny you should talk about birdies because I've got players and, you know, shooting like mid 80s to mid 90s and they say, I have to make more birdies. Now, what's yeah, the probability of that? Well, so here, so can you all see this chart here? Uh, I can. Thank you. Okay. So this, this basically shows you, it's very simple, but it's, but it gives you a very good idea of what's happening. So uh, a player shooting low sixties, all the way up to over a hundred, you know, what is their score comprised of? So if you take somebody shooting 92, um, you know, they're making five, four and a half doubles and eight bogeys and less than one birdie. Okay. So the doubles line is this, is this red line. And right. you can see it's steepest between 100 and uh, 88, 89. So basically, until you're breaking 90, the change in doubles is what's affecting the score the most. That's the steepest slope there, right? Bogies are fairly uniform all the way down where you're reducing bogies. But in the beginning here, kind of 90 plus doubles is the big problem. Then you kick into, you know, bogies being the big thing. Because if you notice, players aren't really making more than one birdie around until they're breaking 80. Interesting. On average, the, the the birdie line here, the blue line, is just pretty flat until you get to 80, uh, below 80. Doesn't even hit, uh, hits even pars about three birdies, three bogeys. So that's kind of our, a real standard benchmark. If you want to shoot even pars, the most common way to do it is um, three birdies, three bogeys, 12 greens. And then as you can see, the birdie line, when you hit seven, you hit low 70s or higher or lower, the birdie line just goes straight up because you just, you know, there's just only so many bogeys you can get out of the system. And the only way to keep going lower is to generate more and more birdies, right? So birdies is about approach proximities and putting. That is not what doubles is about, right? It's a different, totally different part of the game. So this so, is a very much a, you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. Yeah. I mean, the numbers are the numbers. I mean, you can, if you're shooting 95 and you want to make more birdies, you know, okay, but good luck. You know, so, <laughs> so our golf professionals who are sitting at clubs with members, right. And they're, they're assessing their games, you know? Um, so Mr. Hobbins comes in and he's a 92 shooter. We know that he's making three to four doubles around. Most likely. Yeah. Yeah. On average. Yeah. And chances are I'm not making very many birdies. Right. Yeah. And, and he might be right saying I need to drive it better because, you know, a lot of doubles are originate from penalties off the tee box. Driving it out of play. You know, not all, not all of them for sure, but that, that's certainly, that's certainly contributing a lot to it. Probably oh, half, half your doubles are that, I think roughly. Um, mm -hmm. And then the other half are, like I said, you're just getting to the green in par. So on a par four, you don't get to the green until your fourth shot. And then you're two putting and making double. That's and the what other intrigues most me about the system and, and going through it is that it's very much a roadmap for performance. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the whole idea here is what we, another thing we didn't understand is if you take a junior golfer 
And so your traditional stat systems are all um, strokes gained, right? These days it's strokes gained pretty much everywhere you look. So take somebody who's a you know freshman in high school who's shooting mid to high 70s, let's just say, let's just say mid 70s. And you say, okay, you want to play D1 college golf and you want to be on tour in eight years. What do you have to do to get there? And the answer is, I don't know. You ask the player, they don't know. Well, I have to hit it better. Well, what does that mean? You know, that really doesn't mean anything. That's not a hard number you can work towards. Whereas what we say is, okay, you have to this many greens, this many have to be inside 20 feet. You have to scramble at this rate. You have to convert this many putts. Um, and, that's, and that's your roadmap. So let's start working on it. Um, whereas you don't, you can't really get that information very well at all out of traditional systems, even, even PJ tour, uh, even shot link. If you say, you know, I want to be a top 10 in the world player, it's not real obvious from looking at their mounds of data. It's not real obvious what to do to get there. You know, one of the things that, uh, that I've kind of watched over the last 30 years, if you will, is that in the early nineties, I was at golf digest schools and in that era, you started to see technology kind of creep its way into the marketplace, you know, month after month, you know, different systems would come out. And then by the mid to, and I used to say, you know, technology is going to take over teaching, right? Take over instruction. And then by the mid to late nineties, it, it was there to stay. And then, and so for the past 20 years, ever since, you know, the turn of the century, it's been like, you know, the technology has gotten better. And as it's gotten better, it's getting some of it's getting more affordable. And now this to me is a another step forward in technology, because what you've developed is, you know, a, a, a system here on the Internet that I can go into and then I can track by putting my scores in. Right. So it's just another use of technology. But this is more performance based, which has not nothing to do with my skill level. Is that an accurate right. description? No, I think that's exactly what we try to do is give you the information of what, where you are and where you need to go. What we kind of say next level, what does the next level for you look like? And we don't tell you how to do it. That's not our job. That's your job as a coach. Our job is to highlight strengths and weaknesses. This is what it looks like. Now let's get there. And, and I think the beauty of that, it holds a player accountable. It holds a coach accountable, holds everybody accountable by saying over this next six months, nine months, year, whatever this goal, or like Mark talked about, we have eight years to get on tour. What do we need to do over these eight years to reach these numbers that are going to give us a chance to be able to fight? And again, it's not about attack angle. It's not about face to pass. You know, that's a piece of ball striking better. But here are the performance numbers. How many shots are we hitting within 20 feet? What we call impositions, right? 90, roughly 90% of all birdies come inside of 20 feet. So we, we track one of the most important stats we track inside of golf is how, how often do we hit a green inside of 20 feet in regulation? So if you're only hitting four or five and you're competing against someone that's hitting eight or nine, you know, over four rounds, that's 20 more opportunities they have to make birdie. So now you're saying opportunities, like what does that look like? So again, you've got to start understanding that there's a certain formula to be able to compete in this game. And for what you've got to do is say at my level, what are those numbers? And then what does my next level look like? So I can start goal setting there. And I think to me, uh, that graph that Mark showed you a couple minutes ago, that changed my entire coaching philosophy. You know, I, I used to think work green out. I'm a putting coach. I'm a you know short game coach. I love everyone saying, let's work around the green. But that, again, for the higher handicap, that's the worst bang for their buck. The best thing you can do is get them on the tee box, get them to be able to control something off the tee that's long enough so they can play golf. 
and then start hitting greens. You know, you know, for my son, when we, we started learning, it was, can we get to green? Can we get to the green and par value? And then can we get to the green par value minus one? Now, can we get to the green and par value minus two, which is regulation? So we just set goals every time we teed it up. It's like, how fast can we get to the green? You know, and that's getting rid of that double line. Now that he's gotten rid of the double line, we're moving over to the bogey line. What does that look like? Well, now we've got to start putting better because he three putts way too much, which is really bad for a dad as a putting coach, right? <laughs> he, put, he three putts way too. I play with him. I see it every day. He three putts way too much. So we've started working on removing bogey. So we're, we're focusing right now, and it helps that it's winter, is we're just doing tons of putting work as long as continuing what we're benchmarking full game. By benchmarking, we're saying we, we're hitting the numbers we want to hit, and we want to keep training to maintain those numbers. Uh, of course, we're trying to get better, but we're really kind of putting in a let's let's keep them where they're at. Let's keep doing. Let's not add anything. Let's not break anything. Let's do what we're doing. Let's add putting now. So we're going to add this component in and keep the ball striking where it's at. And then we're going to add short game. So it's it's just that understanding where they are in that graph, understanding what the numbers are. It makes coaching so much easier. And, and again, the beauty of it, as everyone's sitting in this meeting, you might have a T-sheet for your practice today. You might have a college player coming to see you. You might have a mini tour player. Then you might have Mrs. Havercam shooting 100. And then you might have Bill that shoots, you know, 84. What you're teaching each individual student is completely different. And if you don't have some sort of criteria, understanding of performance, what are you really teaching them other than maybe a skill acquisition, which you do need skills and you need to acquire that. But when you look at performance, you need to be able to say, what can I do to help my player best today to move them to where they need to go? And how I think fast, how fast can I do that? Right. And you'll be amazed on how fast you can move people once you know the numbers and where you really know to kind of hit where to hit and to get them better. Instead of, you know, I think in golf, we're, we're beauty at chasing rabbit holes, right? We go in a rabbit hole, we go all the way down it. I thought with putting, I would solve putting in a year. It's been 15, 16. I still haven't solved it. But, you know, so a player comes to me because they need to be better at putting, kind of like Mark said, but maybe that's, maybe I'll make them 2% better in the next month because they put so well. So I'm, I'm marginal, but if they would hit three more greens and pick up one more in position, that could change their scoring average by a shot where I'm only going to change them maybe 0.2. So again, it's just understanding strengths and weaknesses and where you need to focus and kind of that's how we talk in the system. Everything is about a focus point and a benchmark. Benchmark is we're happy with where we're at. We're hitting our criteria. Let's try to move past that. But focus areas would be failure, you know, like areas of that we're underperforming. What can we do to address that focus area and start to move it? Yeah. So I, I, there's no other system I've seen that, and I've seen pretty much all of them uh, through college coaching. I haven't seen a system that actually helps the coach and the player come up with really good decisions on how to get better. Gives the answer opposed to, you know, speaking generalities. One of the issues that I have with what you're doing, which is my problem, not your problem, is that <laughs> I know I know you're going to love this, right? Yeah, you're right, and I'm wrong. Um, when I go, I know it had to happen sooner or later, right? But when I go through your data and I look at it, and I, I look at these different benchmarks, and then your Game Forge Index, which is is, is part of your system, I realize that I, I'm giving, I'm not helping people perform better. I'm helping them develop a better skill, right? But I'm not lowering their score because I'm going after the wrong thing at the wrong time. And that's, yeah, that's, a, that's a really, that's an awakening for, for most of us to, to realize that. Well, the thing you've got, you know, the, here's the thing. We're coaches, are, we're getting paid to change a player's score. 
right? They're coming yeah. because they want a different score than they have now. That's Unless they're just 100%. coming to talk, which you're, which you can do also. Um, but you know, if you can't show a player that you're improving their scores over time, you failed or they failed or you both failed, but, but there's, you're not getting anywhere. And, and if you're teaching competitive golfers and their scores aren't trending in the correct direction, your lifespan is going to be very short with that player. Um, like Brian said, accountability, the players, when you track it correctly, the coach is accountable, the player's accountable. You can't hide from it. You can't say, well, I'll just kind of keep doing this and we'll kind of keep working at that. No, you know, I have players who want to play LPJ in two years. I'm saying you must perform at this level. And we're tracking their trends say, are you heading that direction or not? And if you're not, we've got to figure out why quickly, you know, because one thing we see all the time is college players, good college players, top 10 college players graduate, can't make a dollar on tour, totally unprepared for what their performance level has to be at the next level from college. And it's a big wake up call for them. Whereas we're telling them way in advance, this is where you need to be. You better start working on it now and not after you graduate and suddenly go out and get your butt kicked for two years and quit golf. Because I've seen well, that happen a lot of times, too. One of the things that, you know, when Brian and I were discussing this the other day was, you know, he we're talking about his son who, you know, a lot of us are teaching kids and um, and he's telling me what he's doing. And I said, well, how's this putting? And he says, putting's horrible. And I'm thinking, well, you know, here we got one of the best aim point coaches in the world. He's a short game specialist. Why is this putting so bad? So I said, why is this putting so bad? And he said, because I, I have not addressed it yet. I, I didn't care about his putting right now that, you know, that was, you know, that's not the low hanging fruit, getting him from, you know, shooting a hundred to shooting 90. I have to get him to the green sooner. I'm not going to waste my time on, on his, his short game and his putting right now. He spends too many shots between the tee and the green. And I thought, well, that that's just a whole different way of going about this because a lot of these systems, you know, like what's it project 36 or operation 36, you know, works for the green out. And what Brian's doing is he's working from the, from the T to the green. He's just the opposite of, of some of these, you know, would appear to be very successful programs out there. Yeah. I, I think a lot of it, again, it, I, again, I thought working green out made sense, right? Cause it's a smaller club, easy to understand, but it doesn't totally. move the needle. Um, I think you know, it's made a, sense for 50 years. A player that shoots in the 90s averages 37, 38 putts, 100, right around there. And a touring pro that shoots, you know, averages one, one and a half under is about 29 putts. So there's maybe 10 putts there, right? The average high handicap 100 player is hitting 60 to 70 shots to the green. And the tour player is averaging 30 and some upper 30s. 37, So there's, right? you know, there's 40 shots, anywhere from 30 to 45 shots difference. So I can improve 10 or I can improve 45. Where, 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 where's the best time for me to actually pull this stuff back? And again, it really comes back to ball striking. So all the full guy, full swing guys are going to love this. Ball swing, ball, like stroke, stroke, swing, 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 until we start getting in the eighties. Now we got to start adding in other pieces. So again, that's just what the data shows us. It's, it's, can, can I get it off the tee, hit it far enough? Am I playing the correct tees? Can I hit it far enough to compete? And then from that, how many greens can I hit? And then as I progress now, it's how close can I hit the, when I hit a green, how close do I hit it? And then what are those conversion rates? And then that's kind of the progression of offense, right? Offense is really simple. Offense. If you want to make birdie, got to hit a bunch of greens, from the greens, you got to hit proximity close to the hole. How many hit within 20 feet? And then what is your conversion rate? And we give you all this inside of Game Forge, and you can show what a tour player does to a 100 shooter. 
this is what these are the target goals. This is what they should be doing. And if they're not doing it, let's let's address it. When I say my son's a bad putter, yes, he, he's averaging probably about 38, 39 putts. So he's doing kind of what he's supposed to. That's why I'm not really concerned. Now he's putting 49 times every round out. We would address his putting more, but he's not. He's kind of hitting mm-hmm. his target goal. So again, we're not worrying about that. We're going, hey, where we get the most bang for the buck is can we can we get the ball off the tee better? And that was his big big faux pas, All right? But you've done that now. Now he's oh, we've like done that. He's getting gone into the low nineties. Yeah, he's gone from hitting one green, basically around now to hitting about five and a half to six every time we tee it up. So he's so now, now, getting now to you need to find him a good short game coach. I do. I, I know a couple. I'm going to start calling him. So, uh, uh, but, it, but so yeah, he's gone from having no chance to break a hundred now to actually he's ball striking is actually like a low 80 player. He's averaging right around 90. So that's why like I said in the winter, we, we've made this change. Now we're going into putting and after putting, we'll, we'll pick up more and more short game um, again, because that's, that's what his game calls for right now. So, you know, the, the beauty of the system, and I think this is where this is just a lot of fun, is we break down every individual player. We show strengths and weaknesses. The coach can sit down and have a very meaningful conversation with juniors, parents, player. Where are our goals? Where do you want to be? Here's what it looks like. Let's get there. It, well, here's the thing the is, if, if I, as a player, if I put my stats in and, and as you're my coach and we go over them, I can't deny the facts. There's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to hide, right? right? Yeah, Unless I mean, for you or for me. Let's right. put a bad dad other than that. A lot of, you know, some coaches don't like that. Some coaches are very, very uncomfortable with opening the kimono and saying, hey, you haven't gotten any better in the last six months. Like, what's going on? Uh, or worse yet, you've gotten worse. And we certainly see some situations like that where we see, uh, if you watch a player's trend, sometimes you see the line kind of do a step function. Uh, good or bad, like we've seen some really good ones and we've seen some really bad ones too. Um, and you need to catch those when they happen as a coach. Cause if somebody, you know, I have a, out of a player went to college and, uh, putting was really, really good went to college and boom, it just dropped. It's like, okay, well, what's going on? Well, totally different practice routines than we usually do. Okay. Well, we got we have a problem because you're putting to grades every time you go back to school in the fall. So, um, I know, you know, you have to do certain things and your coach makes you do certain things, but get, every time you go back in the fall, your putting gets worse immediately. Um, and if you don't have visibility that you'll never know as a coach, you'll never have any idea. Um, conversely, if we talk like at the tour level, so there was a, a tour, a PGA tour player we started working with maybe three years ago, um, who was a good putter, um, only had, I think five to five and a half, uh, in positions around. So, uh, birdie putts inside 20 feet had five, five and a half around barely survivable on tour at that number, like probably not survivable. You really need. So what you're saying is if I'm going to play tour golf on the PGA tour and I have five opportunities for birdie inside 20 feet, I'm on the fringes. You're not going to be there next year. You're not going to survive at five, five and a half. He he barely, he was barely getting by because he was a very good putter. Um, but it wasn't enough. So we sat down, had a, had a lot of n- number of conversations with his coach and just said, you need to find two more birdie chances around. Just start there. You just need two more around. Where are they coming from? Is it a, is it a, a dispersion problem? Is it a yardage problem? Is it a targeting problem? Are you being too conservative with your targeting? Um, are you, do you have loose shots? And it wasn't loose shots. It was more of a, 
I must hit seven birdie opportunities around middle. Must. You have to. So then you back up your game from there and say, okay, well, where do I get those? What clubs do I have in? Where do, what are my, um, what, what is my targeting? If I go to the middle of the green with a mid iron, you're screwing yourself, right? Mid iron in, short to mid iron in, uh, you know, tour players should be taking a lot more dead aim at the hole if they want to be inside 20 feet. Um, if you're just trying to get on the green, fine, go to the middle. If you're just trying to get on the green and you're shooting mid high 70s, fine. You want to hit the middle of the green, fine, but you're not going to have your seven plus in positions. So they spent a lot of time figuring that out. And now he's a top 10, I think he's top inside top 20 FedEx cup last year, inside top 10 this year. Um, but that, and that didn't happen overnight, but that I was know a, who you're talking about. Number. And I checked his just, you know, since you were coming on this morning, I checked him this morning and he is, he is inside top seven. Yeah. And, and, and again, it didn't happen overnight, but the, the first you have to start with, why am I not scoring better? Okay, well, you need two more opportunities, period, end of story, non-negotiable. Go figure that it out with your coach. Like, that seems relatively simple, even at the tour level, right? Yeah, but you know what the difference is between, you know, tour average scoring and top 10 in the world? It's one shot around. It's just one shot. That's so it. now when you say in positions, you're talking about approach shots that are within 20 feet of the hole for birdie opportunities. Yeah. All right. And so uh, what I did last night is I went through some of the scoring from Phoenix yesterday and the, I think seven under is leading at the end of the day. And the, the gentleman who was seven under, he had nine in positions yesterday. Yep. And another player who you know, we've discussed in the past who has, uh, who has some difficulties and actually, you know, lives in Orlando near you. He had, uh, he was a couple over, and he had, I think it was four in positions yesterday. So it's amazing. Yeah. Winner, when, winners have, winners have about between it. Uh, winners have about nine. That's, that's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. Well, if you're hitting 12 greens and nine or, or if you're in 13 greens on tour, nine have to be inside 20 feet. You got, you gotta, you gotta hit it pretty well. <laughs> and no, you gotta you do. get good targets. You, you have do, to you pick do. good targets. What, what, what I think is interesting here with that I'd like you to share with us. So, uh, I want you to predict the winning score this week in Phoenix based on what you and Brian have done in the data you've collected for the last five years. Right. So, so that was, that was somewhere we started in the very beginning. We just said, if you want to win at different levels of golf, like what, what is, the, what is that score? Let's just start at the score. Um, PJ tour on average, the winning score is 16 shots below the cut line. So you take the cut line and you take 16 off of that. And that's usually the minimum winning score. So usually two or three guys get there, uh, and whoever goes deepest wins. Uh, so majors are a little today, less. The cut line today was probably going to be minus one to two. Yeah. So if the cut's minus two, you, as a player, you got to get to at least eighteen under to have any chance. Um, okay. LPJ, it's eighteen shots under the cut. So take the cut in an LPJ tournament, take off eighteen shots, uh, and that's your typical winning score. So, so now you're saying, okay, well, let's say the typical cut is uh, even par. I've got to get 16 under to win. And then you can back in that, well, how many birdies and bogeys is that? If I make one bogey around, that means I need to make 20 birdies. At least exactly. 20. We're talking 20. We're talking closer to 24 birdies in a tournament, uh, which is six birdies a day off 13 greens, 13, 14 greens. Okay, so you need a strategy that generates six birdies a day off 13 greens, which means you better hit it close and you better make a lot of putts. 
at the tour level. At the tour level. At the tour level, right? Now, now what's interesting is um, I got some video last night from one of my students who is in Florida playing, right? And I, you know, I went through the. This has been a fuel production.